0: In Exodus chapter 15, verse 22 and following. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter, therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast in the waters, the waters were made sweet. Uh, there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments, and will keep his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve uh, wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees and then camp there by the waters. For a little while, I want to talk this morning about bitter waters making sweet. Bitter waters made sweet. There's a word in our vocabulary that we use too many times, a word that we frequently use. It's a word that we call disappointment. Disappointment is a major word in our vocabulary today. I'm sure that many of us, if not all of us in this room, have had our times of disappointments within our lives. We've all been disappointed in some form or some fashion. Uh, We've been disappointed with dreams that have yet to be fulfilled. Uh, Dreams of a future. uh, Dreams of a promotion. uh, Dreams of a child being saved. uh, Dreams of climbing the corporate ladder. uh, uh, Dreams of a better life. Dreams of this, that, or the other. And those dreams have yet to be fulfilled. And the bigger the dream, the bigger the disappointment uh, when those dreams are unfulfilled in life. We know that sometimes uh, people disappoint us. I uh, think about, if you will, for a moment, uh, uh, the children that do not have a father. I uh, think about the children that have been lied to as to who uh, their parents really were. I uh, think of you will, this morning about an employer that's been disillusioned by an employee or an employee that's been disappointed by uh, their particular boss in life. What about the woman who had a husband that committed adultery upon her and how disappointing that must have been? Or the husband who saw a wife that was cheating on her as well? Uh, the betrayal is deep and the trust is difficult to gain back yet it can be done Uh, what about the best friend that's left you high and dry and how it's left you disappointed in life and the list goes on and on we're often disappointed by circumstances in life as well everything is going well in your life life is good the family is healthy the career looks fine and but out of nowhere you discover uh, that a loved one has a hideous disease and yet you put a smile upon on your face. You go to the doctor and you follow the doctor's uh, instructions to do and yet you understand as time goes on uh, you're trusting God, you're believing God uh, for a miracle and day after day your loved one follows the instructions uh, given to you by the doctor and family and friends are bombarding heaven uh, on behalf of prayer uh, for the disease that your loved one has and yet you have a ray of hope. Uh, things begin to change and you get excited and you begin to give God praise uh, because things Seem to change a little bit on the surface and then out of nowhere you get the bad news and the next thing you know you're now preparing uh, for the funeral. After being lifted up so high to heaven with rejuvenated strength you're now let down and disappointed uh, in the very end for the physical healing that you had been promised and the healing that you had hoped for it did not manifest itself and now you're asking and you're wondering why God? Uh, What went wrong or what did I do wrong in the process? And believe it or not We don't like to admit it, but more times than not, we're disappointed with God. Uh, You say, Pastor, don't do that. Lightning will strike from heaven. I believe if you'll be honest with yourself, there have been times in your life you have had a little disappointment uh, with God because you have felt like you have defended a faith that has not defended you uh, somewhere along the process. With that being said... A couple uh, may have been praying for a child, and they waited years and years and years after prayer. And finally, uh, the wife becomes pregnant. Uh, now they're working in the nursery uh, from cradle uh, all, crib all the way up to curtains. They're making now a, a little a little nursery. Uh, every week they bring in a new toy. Uh, they bring in some more clothes. Uh, they bring something else in to make that nursery their own because they're giving God praise for having answered a prayer. Uh, the wife that could not get pregnant is now expecting a child and they're praising God and they're worshiping God and they're rejoicing in the prayer that God has answered but then all of a sudden that mother-to-be has a pain in the stomach and she goes to the doctor only to find out that she has had a miscarriage let me, a miscarriage. Let me tell you for him in the disappointment and grief people many times get angry with God I read a story about a man who was angry with God and he said why would God do this to us? Right now God is no better to me than a Nickel. Another woman who prayed for children, all they have, uh, her prayer unanswered, said, Long ago, I gave up on God. I gave up on prayer. I don't even pray anymore because I don't want to be disappointed. End of quote. I believe there's a lot of people that feel that sentiment within their life uh, because they feel disappointed with something God did or with something God did not do uh, within their life. Brothers and sisters, the Israelites faced such disappointment of themselves because they were led out of the Red Sea by the mighty hand of God. God poured out ten plagues upon the nation of Egypt to free them from the bondage that they were in. And yet the death angel came over and if there were not blood upon the doorpost the lentils, the firstborn of every male be Jew or Gentile would die. But they had put their blood on the doorpost, the death angel came by, and all of Israel was spared. And then they begin to run for their lives they came to the Red Sea, and there there was a great, great body of water. But God said, Moses, hold out the rod because it's the rod of God. And the Red Sea opened, and they went across on dry ground, and the Egyptians followed them, and the same water now congealed down and killed every one of the Egyptian army. God wrought a miracle, and the Jewish people now were singing praise to God. They were believing God for anything. There was nothing impossible with God, and they were tooting God's horn. They were worshiping God, they were praising God, but now all of a sudden, their singing went to sighing. Their music went to mourning and their faith went to doubt. And you know why? The Bible let me know that the height of their joy was about to be sunk to the total despair of their grief. Walking across the desert uh, for all of that period of time, it reduced their supply of water. For three days, the Bible said, they looked for water and they could not find any. Uh, the scouts went out and came back no news uh, whatsoever. And there that sand was blowing in their faces and that hot sand uh, coming off of that was like a blast of a jet engine uh, hitting them right in the face. Anxiety and fear and worry and uh, mounting up every day. Did God miraculously deliver them from Pharaoh in Egypt? Did God miraculously uh, divide uh, the Red Sea, a large body of water to bring them to a desert where there was no water to be found at all? Was God going to allow them uh, to die of thirst right there in that desert? But when all their hopes were just about gone, they looked out a little further down the road uh, and they saw what looked like to be an oasis in the middle of that desert. Uh, There their lips were dry and parched. uh, uh, Their throat was dry and haggard. And yet all of a sudden, a ray of hope, they see water out there. And they begin to pat each other on the back and begin to praise God yet again. He came through again. He came through again our God has provided again and they begin to run finally as they got closer and maybe some put their head deep down in that water Uh, some I'm sure made cup of their hands uh, to begin to drink the water and some may have had literal cups themselves Uh, the water looked so good it looked so refreshing and there was plenty of it but one by one those thirsty souls uh, uh, they parched the lips they put their water to the mouth but they had to spit it out why because the waters were full of Bitterness. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. And that's why the place is called Marah. For the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? The grumbling and the murmuring began. Who got the blame? Moses, obviously. Moses was their leader. Moses got the blame. Was God playing games with the people? Uh, did Moses try to deceive the people? Uh, why would God lead them out to where there was a plenty of water and they were thirsting to death, and yet they could not drink the water that was there before them that day? It only left them frustrated, and it left them disappointed. Can you imagine the miracle that God wrought to get them out of Egypt? Can you imagine being thirsty for all those days and then seeing water only to get to it and say, I can't drink it because it's too bitter? God, what are you doing to me? Are you playing games with us, God? Better to have no water at all than have a lake full of water that you can't even drink. That was a major letdown. That was a major disappointment to the nation of Israel. What purpose could God possibly have in doing this to these people? Look at verse 25. There the Lord issued a ruling and instructions for them and put them to the test. This is a test. A college level examination to reveal their true commitment to the Lord. Were they committed to God or were they committed to what they could see? Did they want God or did they just simply want God's provisions? We don't like these kind of tests in life. It was reveal what was in their hearts and their minds. Beloved, hear me, and hear me well. Like it or lump it, believe it or believe it not. Disappointment is exam time. I said disappointment uh, reveals our character and lets us know who we really are. It holds the mirror up to the spirit and the soul of who we are and it reveals the warts, the wrinkles and the pimples of our life and what it looks like to us. Disappointment makes us grow in our faith or disappointment sends us back down to unbelief, grumbling and bitter in our life. Who led Israel tomorrow? He was God. There was no GPS system. There was no ways on their app, W-A-Z-E. If you don't have that app, you already get it. It's a good one. There was no literal map they could follow. But God knew the map of the Sinai Desert. And God gave that to Moses. And Moses began to follow the Lord. Every step was under the direction of Moses. And now, right in the center of God's will, just while they were following the map that God gave to them, they faced a big time trial. A big-time exam. God, they would soon learn, is the author not just of our successes, but he's often the author of our disappointments. Did you hear me? He's often the author of our disappointments as well. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Now, we all know that there are many times that we're responsible for our own disappointments. We all take ourselves to our own Mara from time to time, but God stands ready to help us. God stands ready to get us back on the right track uh, when we get there. Jesus stands ready all the time uh, to be with us and help us to make the bitter water sweeten our life. And many of us have already experienced this test many times in our life, and we have failed it there at Mara. We're so disappointed with people. We get so disappointed with circumstances. We get so disappointed with God. And there are times we get disappointed even with ourselves. And it leaves a bitter taste in our life. It leaves a bitter taste in our mouth. We get bitter in our own life. I read a story years ago about a woman. I may have shared it with you, but she got bit by a rabid dog. And she got to the doctor too late he said, "Not a thing I can do for you, it's just a matter of time, you're going to die. So she got a piece of paper and pen and began to write. And he said, are you making out your last will and testament? She said, no, I'm making a list of all the people I want to bite. That's what bitterness will do to us. But trials are designed to bring us closer to God and not push us away from him. We will expect. Drink, and we can't find it there at Mara. For some of us, we have our own private Mara. We think that we're here, that we need to drink, but the waters are too bitter, and we cannot drink them in our mental, our physical, our emotional, and our spiritual exhaustion. We seek to be refreshed from God only to find the hot desert sand blowing in our face. And we're saying, God, why? Why are the is supposed to teach us why does God allow such disappointments when we have faith in his word? Why do we experience such disappointments when we feel like we've heard from God? Why do we hear, feel such disappointment and experience and when we believe we're right in the center of God's will? Why the disappointments? Why is the test so high with the curriculum of God as we go through the school of hard knocks? Believe it or not, disappointments test our focus. Disappointments Test our focus. When their hopes were dashed to the ground, the hearts of Israel was revealed. In their need, they were not focused on God as much as they were focused on their own need. They were not focused on God. They were focused on water. They weren't focused on God. They were fo- focused on getting their, their thirst quenched. I'm not condemning them, and nor should you. If you were thirsty, and you were hot, and you were tired, and you were bewildered, And you know that you don't expect so much out of a deodorant on those hot days? You would probably be upset as well. The problem was that their need for water was so consuming, they lost their focus of God. They forgot to trust God in the midst of what was going on. They jumped to the conclusion that God had abandoned them. Rather than thinking God may have something better for you because the last thing God did will be better than the next thing that God does. And yet if all we can see is what's before us, God led you here so the water's bitter, that means God has something better for you. But no, we get angry because we focused on the water, but not on the God who led us to the water. And we said, but God, something wrong with the water. Then hang on. Don't get bitter. Continue to praise. Continue to worship. Because something better will come. We may not understand it. They erred in thinking they did not have to trust God. They get this. When success was right there in their sight. They thought, here's the water. Whoopee, we don't trust God no more. Here it is. You can never stop trusting God. We've got to always continue to trust God. Whatever we have our hearts set on something, we stand for a good chance of disappointment. For instance, you're convinced, I deserve that promotion on the job. I have paid my dues. I have done my work. I've been there longer in seniority. I deserve the promotion, only for somebody else less qualified to get the job because they knew the boss in higher places. You're less disappointed you've waited and you've worked hard on your credit to buy that house of your dreams and you're ready to sign on the dotted line only to have that house sold out from underneath you, you're left disappointed. Or the pastor who's heard the heart of God say, Go to this town and pastor this church, and you send the resume, and they accept the resume, and they interview you, and they want you, and God's confirmed it again and again and again and again that this is the will of God. I want to have a phone call on a Monday morning. Oh, thank you for your consideration, but we voted ourselves in a pastor yesterday. That's disappointment. That's disappointment. Not only do we feel disappointed, we feel betrayed. We feel let down. We feel confused. We feel bewildered. Whether the Israelites are thirsty or with a single person wanting to have a companion or a workaholic who's married to the job, the temptation is always the same. It is to pin our hope on something that will give us what we think we need. And we pin our hopes on what we think we need but we always need God no matter where we are. But no, we pin our hopes on what we think we need and we think that'll give us the peace that we want. As a result, we live with the risk of deep, heartfelt disappointment. And the more our hearts are consumed by what we want, the greater the possibility of letdown and disappointment. Notice something else this morning. The hearts of Israel was not only set on the water they needed, their hopes were also pinned on Moses. Not only did they need water, but their hope was pinned on Moses. They were impressed with this man. They, 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 they saw his leadership. They, this guy can hear from God. He stands before Pharaoh. God works miracles. The man, they love this guy. They pinned all their hopes on Moses. But when they went to the Marah, And the water was bitter. Now they began to murmur against Moses. They criticized Moses. They didn't like Moses. The allegiance began to turn away from Moses at that particular time. Now they felt deceived. Their loyalty, their admiration had changed all into grumbling. They blamed him, even though the circumstances was not his fault. And you know what? I believe Moses felt worse than they did. Because after all, he had heard from God. He was doing the leading. And now maybe they're feeling guilty, feeling like he failed it. And maybe Moses is is beating himself up as well. I don't know. But I know one thing. He got a double whammy. The people whom he loved was now turning against him. Let me tell you something. If your happiness is depending upon a person, any person, your risk of disillusionment and disappointment is extremely high. You might meet the person whom you think you cannot live without. That person may think they can live without you. You marry the person of your dreams only to find out it's a living nightmare. On the list list of 10 reasons why marriages fail, unrealistic expectations is the number one reason. People expect a partner to do for them what only God can do, namely to make them happy. Only God can do that. The world is full of so called superstars, church. Let Jesus Christ be our superstar today. He alone is worthy of both our hopes and He alone is worthy of our affections. David, who had his share of Mara's, he said, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. Paul said, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. Even water should never mean more to us than God. Even if we're thirsty and our lips are parched, water should never mean more to us than God does. With our hopes pinned on Moses, with our eyes fixed upon the water, the people knelt to drink, and when they were choked, they became angry. Circumstances didn't work out the way they thought they should. God led them to where they thought is was going to be a satisfying place, and it wasn't. Disappointment is God's way of reminding us that we have got to get rid of the idols in our life. Pastor, you're talking to Christians. You think Christians can't set up idols? You think Christians don't deal with idols that need to be knocked down? I believe that we do from time to time. Asap, the Old Testament prophet, uh, who himself was envious of the wicked when he saw God from his viewpoint, wrote, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon this earth I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. When you encounter your own personal mara, that's a part of God's plan for your lives, it either to drive you to God or to drive you away. You'll be left in disappointment or you realize there's an disappointment from God and there's something he wants to teach us while we're there. Let me tell you, friend, nothing brings out our true state of our hearts more than being deprived from some basic need. Nothing reveals the true character of our heart except for when we've been deprived from some basic need. What do we do with that bitterness, my friend? What do we do? Moses was surrounded by thousands, thousands and thousands, two million people, if you will, of an angry, thirsty mob. They were blaming him for not being able to drink. You brought us to this bitter water. It's your fault, Moses. And they were bitter and they were disappointed. But listen to the words of Moses. He shut them out. He shut down the voice of the critic. He didn't listen. It broke his heart what they were saying because everybody wants to be loved. There's not a leader that don't want to be appreciated by those that they're trying to lead. But he shut that out and he went to God and that's what he said. And he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in thy sight, will give ear to his commandments, and keep off his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Whether the people believed God or not, Moses did. Moses did not take blame for what went on. Moses did not patronize them for what went on. He gave it all to God. He reflected it all right back upon the Lord himself. Though he found this thirsty mob, he looked up to God. Prayer is a powerful weapon that we have today. Prayer is powerful, and prayer is swifter than an eagle. It is stronger than a lion, and it has effectiveness. Prayer brings us not only to the resources of our God, prayer brings us to the God of those resources as well. We can go to the God who supplies all of our need according to his riches that being by Christ Jesus the Lord. When Moses prayed, a miracle happened. When Moses prayed, God began to move. Moses could have been discouraged and distraught by listening to the grumbling of all the people, but... Moses said God I know you brought me tomorrow I know the water might be better But I know you got a better plan Because I know you I know you're a God of the second chance You're the God that will do what I don't understand And God I'm praying to you What do I do God What do I do And when he prayed God gave the answer And here it is Moses There's a tree beside you Pick up the tree And throw it into the water make no sense when somebody planted that tree it was a small seed worthless to some just a seed to others but that seed was planted for one day that seed would produce a tree and that tree would produce a miracle that would save 2 million people just a seed Just a seed. But it turned into a tree. And Moses took the tree. He placed it in the water. Nothing special about the tree. Just a tree that was used in the hands of God. And with a splash, the bitter water became sweet. The people drank from it and they were filled. This time at least, the bitterness ended in a blessing. The bitter water was made sweet and a miracle sent from God to a needy people. The rod in the hands of Moses parted the Red Sea that they could go out on dry ground. But the tree placed in the bitter water by the hands of Moses slated the thirst and salvaged two million people that day. The miracle was not from Moses, the miracle was from God as Moses obeyed. Are you hearing me? The protection that you need comes from God. God often changes our circumstances by prayer. The promotion that you did not receive may turn out to be a blessing because God had a better job. I remind you that the rebellious child would come home. The marriage would be saved. In retrospect, it was a blessing. The girlfriend broke up with you Because God had somebody else better for you down the road. And sometimes God even does a greater miracle. Rather than change our circumstances, sometimes he changes us in the midst of the circumstances sometimes he says peace to the storm that's raging and sometimes he says peace to us while the storm continues to rage but either way it's still a miracle of God he reminds us brothers and sisters that he enables us to forgive the ones that have wronged us Uh, he allows us the ability uh, to to accept the demotion uh, without being resentful Uh, he gives us the ability if we can to understand and accept the things of life that we don't understand and the things that we cannot change we have to deal with but God gives us the grace all the way our maras are not made to make us bitter our maras are made to make us better and we all have that mara that we come up to but what are we going to do with it are we going to murmur are we going to complain or we going to say God I trust you that the next thing you do will be better than the last thing that you did there's no water as sweet as the water that was bitter that God sweetens for us God remains sweet even when the water we expect to drink is bitter. The scripture says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. A bitter tree, a bitter tree made the water sweet. Two important trees in the Bible as I read it. The first was the tree of knowledge of good and evil located in the Garden of Eden. From that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we see that Adam and Eve rebelled against God. As a result, the whole stream of history was poisoned with disappointment. Sin contaminated everything from that time to now, and we all have felt the poison of sin in all of humanity, in your life and in mine. Sweet lies were made bitter instantly. Are you with me? Sweet lies were made bitter instantly like a poison running through the soul. But the second tree is the cross upon which Jesus Christ died. The tree is known for its blessing. It's a tree that reverses the curse that Adam and Eve are caused. It's the only antidote to the poison that flows through the stream of history itself. It's the tree that absorbed the curse and, thank God, purifies the water. When the blood of Jesus Christ touches any heart, any mind, any soul, any life, any body, thank God you're born again, and I rejoice and know that it is broken, praise God. We've been redeemed, and the poison can be gone, and the anointing of God can flow. Paul said, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus Christ was cursed so that we might become blessed. The poisonous sin was neutralized and healing has been made available for all. Notice this, if you will. When Jesus died on the cross... He was offered wine mingled with myrrh, which in Hebrew is mara, bitter. They wanted him to drink of that as if it were some type of a narcotic that would deaden the pain of the crucifixion. But Jesus drunk the bitter cup of all of God's wrath that should be poured upon you or poured upon me. He did not want to have any type of inoculation, whatever you call it, any type of a, to, to deaden his senses. He, he, he. As a matter of fact, uh, Peter tonight he was arrested. Peter, Jesus said to Peter, "Put the sword into the sheath. The cup the Father gave me, shall I not drink it?" God, Jesus Christ drank the entire cup that God Almighty had of sin that was in that cup. What does the cross do like the tree used by Moses? It takes life of bitterness and makes it sweet. It takes a life of sin and gives us cleansing. It takes a life of torment and gives us peace. It takes a life of hell and gives us heaven. It takes a life of disappointment and gives us a life of something that will bring success to us. It bears the precious fruit of the crucified Redeemer. And I'm talking about the cross of Calvary. Sin is more threatening than, Than disease. And if you look, uh, David talked about disease and sin kind of running parallel one with the other. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all of thy diseases. Now, how does the cross make water sweet? First, our sins are forgiven and our troubled conscience is at rest. Think about that. Our sins are forgiven, our conscience is at rest. I praise God for that. The Bible went on to say that he also heals the brokenhearted. He heareth the brokenhearted, he bindeth up the wound, he telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them by name. Thank God, the God who counts the stars is the same God that heals our souls. The promises of God are the bandages that heals the wounds of everything that sin could do to mankind. There's a cleansing for our sin and there's a healing for the pain of our soul today. And all this healing anticipates the future. There is coming a day when our faith is going to turn into sight and we are going to stand before the almighty God and he's going to say, hey, did you pass the test at Mara? Did you pass the test of life? Uh, Enter into across the graduation stage and receive your diploma for life and hear the Lord say well done thou good and faithful servant you've been faithful over a few things enter into the joy uh, that the Lord hath prepared for you I thank God today uh, to know in my heart of hearts that in the end all the bitterness that this life has thrown at you all the bitterness that you tasted in your life it's all going to be sweet one day uh, for there is a river that flows out of the city of God that will be healing for the entire nation uh, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory I have no Not seen, ear had not heard, and thought had not entered into the heart of the man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Praise God. Now the world offers a number of trees that promise a cure, trees that promise to make bitter waters sweet. The first on that list is money. Oh, if you just had money, you could have anything you want, and life would be so good, life would be so sweet. The love of money is the root of all evil. I know money will not bring happiness. Somebody said you can look for it more extravagant places. But money will not bring you happiness. Another is pleasure. Another tree is pleasure. People all the time today uh, nibble on that tree, they say it'll be removed all the monotony of existence, but it has no lasting fruit. Drugs and alcohol are another one that's top priority. Drink of its fruit, smoke of its leaves, but again all to no avail. More miles of bad road, more disappointment, more heartache, more bondage. But I want you to notice something. After Marah, the Israelites came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms. There was a spring of water for every tribe of Israel, abundant of drink. And there was more food for them to eat that would fill their bellies over and over again. If we pass the test at Mara, if we face the disappointments of Mara, God has an Elam for you. On the map, you can't find, I can't, Elam, how far it is from Mara or anything like that, but I'll tell you this much there's a place called Elam for you as well. What disappointment are you dealing with right now? How bitter is the taste of life, and what kind of a bitter taste is life left in your mouth? Has the poison of that bitter water poisoned your spirit to the point that you're bitter, that you're angry with people, with circumstances, with God, even with yourself? Even though you may be a Mara right now, the good news is if you trust God, He'll eventually get you to Elam. You hear me? He'll eventually get you to Elam. Next to your Mara, there's a tree. They can make the bitter water sweet. Your very disappointments could very well be the appointments of God today to prove the blessings that follow bitterness. Did you hear me? There's a blessing that can follow the bitterness. Amen. There's a blessing that can follow the hurt. There's a blessing that can follow the pain. There's a blessing that God can use. Wholeness can follow brokenness. Health can follow sickness. Broken trust can be restored. Splinter relationships can be healed and made stronger than ever. The closer we are to God, the more quicker we're going to get to Elam Church. I said the closer we are to God, the quicker we're going to get to Elam. The God who leads us in the desert will always lead us to a refreshing oasis. Don't get mad at Mara. Don't think God's playing with you. If I knew the mind of God and everything, I'd be the most sought after man in all the world. But I do know God. And I do know that the same God that parted the Red Sea in your life and put you in the desert and brought you to what looked like the oasis that was going to refresh you and that you thought was going to be the answer to that prayer turned bitter on you. Hold steady. Hold steady. Pass the test. Don't let nothing rob you of your joy. Let nothing rob you of your peace. Let nothing rob you of your song. Don't murmur, don't sigh. Keep on singing, keep on making music in your heart. God will have a tree to make that place sweet, and then He'll lead you on to a land of plenty.